And now, here is the East of England forecast at 0600. Highs in Norfolk, Suffolk, Cambridgeshire, Essex, Hertfordshire and Bedfordshire. All strengthening despite strong headwinds. Norwich, northeasterly 8, occasionally 9 or 10. Norwich Research Park, strong, rising very strong. Tech and creative sectors small but powerful, strengthening in identity. Thetford, Bury St Edmunds, Stowmarket, Newmarket, Haverhill. Five, centrally, interest and excitement building, fresh winds expected soon. Essex, Colchester. Southerly, AI excellence growing, eight or nine. Machine learning, good. Ipswich, Martlesham, Southeast, new breakthroughs daily. Quantum technology starts baffling before enlightenment with possibilities realized. Cambridge, westerly, exponential growth now cyclonic. Potential for collaboration good, rising to excellent, sooner than expected. Felixstowe, Lowestoft, Great Yarmouth. Freeport, very good. New offshore wind facilities, excellent. Renewable energy sector rising to global recognition soon. And here is the general synopsis for Eastern Promise. Host, moderate, five or six. Jokes poor, falling to very poor later. Guests, superb. Potential and positivity expected soon. Greetings and welcome to Eastern Promise. This is the podcast that explores the full potential of the East of England. Whatever the sector, if there's exciting, uplifting and encouraging news to share, then share it I shall. Better buckle up for brilliance. In another bumper edition of Eastern Promise... I bring you a second serving of Sink the City 2022. Teams are formed, projects progress, judges deliberate and winners are chosen. Meanwhile, the qualities of leadership and how we identify and train the leaders of tomorrow is a perennial concern across the region. But hope is provided by Norfolk's historian of leadership, Nigel Cushion of Nelson Spirit. And finally, let's tread the boards and discover your favourite theatres, playhouses and live performance venues in the east of England. It's curtains up for crowd sorcery. But first, here's all the news that's hot off the press. At 7.30pm on Thursday the 15th of December, there will be a service at Norwich Cathedral to connect, give thanks and remember. All are welcome and there will be contributions from staff, volunteers and trustees of Priscilla Bacon Lodge and Norfolk Community Health and Care NHS Trust. The event is free, refreshments will be provided after the service and no ticket is required. The organisers do ask that, if you would like to attend, please let them know via email to events at priscillabaconhospice.org.uk. 
A shocking 15% of households in the east of England reported skipping meals, cutting portions or being hungry but unable to afford food in the last month, with over 15,000 people in Norfolk unable to afford to eat every day. Thankfully, the Norfolk Community Foundation has launched the Nourishing Norfolk project after a successful pilot. The project will help those communities most in need to get access to healthy and nutritious food thanks to a network of locally run food hubs. You can help by making a donation, linking your organisation with those providing support in the community and connecting Norfolk Community Foundation with other bodies who may be able to help. You can find out more by going to norfolkfoundation.com and clicking on Nourishing Norfolk at the top of the screen. And that's all the news this week. Send me any stories, statements or press releases to newsdesk at easternpromise.site. That's site as in website, S-I-T-E. Sink the City, a 54-hour hackathon where 10 teams compete to scratch build a startup. Last week, we listened to the highlights of the opening night. Pitches were made, teams were formed, and now it's the morning after the night before, and I've composed a limerick in their honour. <clears throat> it's Sick the City, day two. Ten teams figure out what to do. The pressure's intense. Their goal seems immense. Have they bitten off more than they can chew? Thank you, thank you, thank you. Hayley Johnson from Artlist, you are um, the mentor for the team whose name is... Oh, did we decide on our team name? It's working title at the moment. It's, it's working title at the moment. It's a, a, a bit like the film company. Yeah, waiting for our um, inspirational moment as to the perfect name. So This can't be your first Sink the City. It must be at minimum your fourth uh, or fifth. Yes, yeah, so it's my fourth time um, at Sink the City. So I think it's um, amazing to be back and a fully fledged Sink the City um, in terms of numbers and uh, like obviously last year we did Sink the City but it was a bit more of a kind of um, targeted uh, subject whereas it's lovely this year to have complete freedom of subject so an amazing pictures that we had yesterday like I think the best I've probably seen yet in terms of the quality of pitches and ideas and everything. Well the other years must have knocked your socks off because that was my first thing in the city, and I was absolutely uh, gobsmacked, and especially by, I have to say, the, the, the success of the young students from East Norfolk College, one of whom is here. Could I grab your name? My name's Honey. You and your friend Gemma, I believe, were one of the, the successful pitches. With, do you want to tell us a bit about what your pitch was? Basically an app where you can scan the product or something, and then it tells you how to recycle it, where to recycle it, and if it is recyclable. Now, you seem to have a lot of, lot of success pulling together a team very quickly. A lot of it, I'm sure, is due to Haley and to Jason over there, who I shall wave at now, but you can't see that. Hello, Jason, he's waving back. That's fantastic. And that must be really good to the number of people who are obviously keen to sort of come in and support uh, the, the college students, a lot of whom were here, but you were, you were the successful ones. Uh, yeah, it's very nice and a good experience. Well, best of luck to you. I really, I'm really looking forward to seeing how it, how it turns out and uh, whatever else happens. I know it's going to be a really fantastic learning experience. Do you think you'll do it again next year? You have to say yes because Hayley's here. Yeah. <laughs> That's fantastic. I'll make sure she does. <laughs> Thank you very much. Well, well done and best of luck for the rest of the, the weekend. Thank you. Hello, Jason. 
How are you doing, Mike? All right. How are you finding it being on this team, whose whose name I understand is still working title? Yeah, working title. We've not had the uh, you know lightning bolt um, moment yet, so uh, we're gonna we're gonna develop that as we go. But yeah, I mean we've got two young ladies here who've obviously got a commitment and a passion for what they're doing, and they're very much um, focused on helping to change. I think behaviours really, um, which is which is fantastic in this day and age. Um, a lot of work to go to do before we get to that final kind of proposition and, and what that looks like. But they've got some very strong ideas to start with, which is which is always a good point. Haley Johnson, Honey Evans, and Jason Oakes of the team that goes on to become Recycle Junkie. Laurie Burrows, director of Laurie Burrows Limited. You are the team leader. I think it's fair to say that you had a very passionate pitch uh, last night. Very obviously, all of these are passion projects, but you really sort of injected an extra, an extra oomph into the into the project. Do you want to tell us quickly about it? Yes. So. Yeah. At the moment, with the cost of living crisis, it's been an ongoing problem. There are parents who are having to starve. They're having to choose whether to feed themselves or their children. They're having to choose whether to put the heating on or have a hot meal. And we want to be able to solve, well, we know we're not going to solve it overnight, but we at least put a little dent into this. So we want to create a community hub where these parents can come, get a hot meal, have a support network, and have their more immediate needs support but another big thing is we want to support them in actually breaking this cycle of having to rely on resources food banks etc so our idea for that is as part of this community hub they'll get access to training and mentorship to learn how to start an online business themselves so they can then bring more income into their household I think for us a really important part is them being able to start their own online business. It's exactly what I've done, but with that and what makes it different to having a job is they can then fit around their children as well. Mm. Childcare is crazy expensive. Yes. So if they go and get a job, they then have another cost anyway. They now have to worry about childcare. So this is like a 360 solution to help with their immediate needs, to help with the hunger, but also to break the cycle so they can create an income that fits around their children. It's also great for the economy, not that that's the, the motivating factor here, and nor should it be, but it's also good for the local economy that there's these new businesses starting and, and, and uh, hopefully scaling up to the point where they can em employ more people. Yep, exactly that. Well, any venture lives and dies on its logistics, and this is the man who has been Mr. Clipboard, Mr. Logistics, all through yesterday and kept the show running very smoothly. I was actually listening back to it last night yeah. and most of what I heard was you on stage <laughs> being very genial and very funny. And uh, Tom Wood, good morning. Hey, good morning, Mike. How's it going? It's, I, it's very well and I expect it's very well for you because you don't have to worry about what you're going to do. Or do you? Oh. Or are you, just, are you just prowling the room and, and um, <laughs> a, bit like a, a bit like a teacher at exams looking over people's shoulders going... Ooh. You're, you're right, T today is a little easier because the first night is uh, hectic where we're, we've got all kinds of things to do. Do we have enough pitches? Do we have, uh, can we get through to a, a, a kind of a selection of 10 that we want to work on for the weekend? Can we put teams behind those? And it all happens in like, what, you saw it, three or four mm. hours. So that is, uh, the, that's the evening that all of the mentors and the organisers kind of slightly, are slightly fearful of. Uh, but this year it went very well. And now we have 10 ideas that are being worked up. We have 10 teams working on those ideas. And so Friday, the middle day of Zinc, is, uh, is a lot of fun because people kind of can relax into 
working on, uh, yeah, kind of understanding the business they're working on, the problem space, the audience they're trying to address. So it's a bit more, the pace is a little less frenetic and people kind of relax and get to know each other a bit better. What about those East Norfolk college students? Oh, yes, yeah, isn't it fantastic? And so brave, you know, I know it must be really quite daunting to, to come into a situation which you know you've no experience of and actually it's quite hard to, for someone to describe it to you in advance I, you know, <laughs> you know. I can't do it and it's right. my job yeah right and so uh yeah i mean yeah absolute hat tip for all of them for showing up and we also got a pitch from one of them and one of that's one of the ideas that we're developing so you know i, I don't know how old honey and Gemma are but uh, they put, <laughs> they make us you know, look like old men, Mike. Yeah. Yes, yes, they do indeed. I think I've got they're they're actually younger than my my eldest nephew, yeah. and my brother is younger than me. So that, that that's yeah. that's doubly frightening. But it was also quite touching to see the, the speed with which a team came around them. Yeah, that's right. It was. That, I mean, it, it, that, again, you never quite know. You can even though you're voting the ideas through. The, nevertheless, people have to kind of put their money where their mouth is and join a team so you, you might have uh, ideas that go, do wildly well in the voting but no one actually wants to kind of join that team so you're always a bit worried oh you're know, going to get support for these ideas but no um, that particular that's a, a, a recycling idea um, got support really quickly I think it was one yeah. of the first teams to get filled. Have you been on the other side of this or have you always been uh, happy to be on uh, the side you're standing now? Uh, I have in in uh, sink the city. I have yes. I've always been. Uh, yeah, my first year I was a judge, and then second year John asked if I joined the mentors, and so that's that's been me all the way through. I've done kind of hackathons and startup competitions mm. before, but not not. I've never actually been a hunter at this particular event. I'm noticing the countdown clock yeah. on the wall, which is which which I can't decide is cru- is is sheer cruelty or utter genius. And I was just talking to uh, 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 the chap from Lee's Prior um, over there. Um, on the Romans team about his idea um, and asking him if the pressure cooker atmosphere was a, was a help was rocket fuel. What do you think? Uh, it is, and you, you have to un- you have to remember that you're un- you're you're on a time limit. The thing, particularly, kind of good teams and good mentors that are helping teams throw a bit of light and shade. Sometimes uh, you need to slow down, but, you know, kind of perhaps open up questions think, talk, reflect, and it sometimes feels scary to slow that pace, but you'll get a lot out of, uh, you know, t- kind of taking the pressure off yourselves. And other times you've got to go, well, we really need to make some stuff, <laughs> you know, we've got this presentation won't write itself, you know, this business plan won't write itself. So uh, I, I think, yes, yeah, as I say, managing a bit of, managing the pace fast and slow, but with the unforgiving clock always ticking in the background. Yeah. Well, fantastic. I'm really enjoying Sync the City. This is my f- first time. It's and awesome I, to have you. It's, uh, thank you. For, well, it's my pleasure. Don't, don't, don't thank me. I'm just some bloat wandering around frightening people um, with, this, with this eerie-looking microphone. I'm Claire Montgomery. And what's your team name? Pause. Well, that's our brand, if that's right. Our brand is Pause. Right, okay. Your brand is Pause. I I, I like it. And can you tell me a bit about what it's about? So we are looking for an early warning system for the perimenopause. Mm -hmm. So we're looking at uh, finding, uh, identifying why women of of between 30 and and 50 are... end up experiencing symptoms of the menopause that they're unaware of and how we can help them identify that and uh, get get treatment. 
So it's it's a big issue because there's uh, it obviously has a big impact on the woman who who is affected in terms of sleepless nights, uh, anxiety, brain fog, all those sort of symptoms. But the issue is also then it, it impacts the workplace. They're unable to work, so there's time off sick. They're not working at full capacity, so it's a big issue for employers too. So we're looking at both sides of that and looking for a solution which hopefully we'll come up with in the next 48 hours so it was your pitch wasn't it it was yes and are you are you pleased with the team you have to say yes obviously but are you pleased with the team you've pulled around you yeah no we've got a great team we've got some young students so we've got some some good young minds on it we've also got some experienced marketeers and we do have a medic so we're we've got uh, we've got some great skills yes we have so if you don't mind me asking, what do you what do you normally work on when you're not your, you've not got your head in Sink the City? Uh, I'm head of operations at a company called CADS in Great Yarmouth. We're a space planning and software development company. Right. A space as in? As in, as in retail space. So as in the uh, the flow around a supermarket store. Ah. So yes. Best of luck. I think this is, this is really important. I'm really looking forward to seeing what comes out comes out from Paws. Is this your first time at yes, Sink the City? First time at Sink the City. What prompted you to, to, to come along? Uh, well, I've just finished uh, an executive MBA at the UEA. Uh, we had to do a project for our con- uh, at, the, at the end of the MBA. I really enjoyed that. It was a three-week project, so this rather inspired me as a, as a 54 hours. So, yeah, really. Good luck. A really good to see you here. Lovely. Thank you very Thank much. Thank you. Voiceover artist, Daniel Tad. What's the team name, Daniel? The team name, we haven't actually come up with one yet. Um, we're actually in the process of trying to think of one. Um, but we're kind of leaning towards uh, this one here. Oh, sorry, like Into the Wild, which is heavily Bear Grylls inspired. But we might stray slightly away from this, but something similar to it. Right, I mean, and yeah, you're, you're, uh, I, I actually am quite struck by your idea, which is, which is, I think, very different, I think it's fair to say, to any of the ones up there, which is probably what, I, you know, one of, the major, one of the factors that got you through, because it was, it was unique. Uh, you, you who are now forever lodged in my mind as voiceover artist Daniel Tad. <laughs> <laughs> so how, how is it going? This is kind of the morning after the night before, as I've been saying to, in other interviews. How is reality setting in for you? Well, once we started um, looking into UK laws and regulations, especially like hunting laws and uh, slaughtering laws, um, it kind of put a few things onto the back bench, like things you're not allowed to do. For example, you're not allowed to use a bow or crossbow in the UK to hunt. Um, and that was kind of a original idea that I had, was literally to go real hardcore, like, you know, hunting animals, etc. So instead, we're going to have a workaround in that aspect. Uh, additionally, we're looking at costs. So, for example, um, the, the ability to purchase land or to rent land in order to host this activity. Those have been some very kind of uh, awakening moments for us. Well, the one thing I love about doing this is that you can f- I can follow in because I'm beholden to no one but myself and I can follow any thought down any rabbit hole I choose. Have you looked at bear traps? <laughs> It's actually against the 1968 law which was created, which... um, Well, it's actually against laws now where you're not allowed to stun, trap or anything like that to any kind of wild game or animal. So unfortunate, otherwise bear bear traps would have been on the table. What are lawyers for? 
I ask you, if if they can't, you know, if if, if could you get yourself legally reclassified as a as as uh, some kind of a tiger or some pre- predatory animal? Would that be all right? I think that's something we definitely look into. I mean, we could have people that role play tigers or bears, and we could set up kind of fake padded bear traps, if you will, to uh, trap. A person in a bear costume. Why not? Well, well, there you are. It's Eastern Promise at its most helpful. (laughs) Daniel Tad, thank you. It's it's a pleasure. I should be watching this very closely. Not not solely because it's it's an industry thing. Excellent. Well, thank you very much. (laughs) Thank you. If I call you the Gandalf of Norwich Tech, would you punch me in the face? I guess I'm old enough and I've got a beard, so maybe, yeah. I've been a ranger for a fair few years. It was supposed to be a compliment, so <laughs> Neil Garner, of uh, CEO and Executive Chairman, if I listed your many accomplishments, I wouldn't have time to interview you at all. And you, it is a, it is a shameful mark on Eastern Promise that I haven't interviewed you already. So this must be your umpteenth Sink the City. It's been really interesting because I've been involved in it as a, a keynote speaker, I've been involved as a judge, and then last year I was involved as a mentor, and again this year as a mentor. And then I've had various people who work in my companies who've been involved in the various teams over the years as well. So it's kind of a bit of a, you know, it's the event really for Norwich Tech. So when you're, when you're mentoring a team, do you have sort of half an eye on, uh, on the, uh, the, the talent you can sort of approach when it's all finished? The, the non-altruistic part of you is actually meeting people here that you may want to recruit and work with. But actually, I think it's so much co- cooperative that it's generally just build friendships and so on with, with everybody. But certainly, I mean, if you want to work with somebody in this environment, you can that's the best thing to kind of work, work out for you to think how you're going to work in the future mm. together. You have quite a the track record at this event. Oh, uh, well, last time we actually won, um, well, we won. I mean, I mentored the team, Scoop Recycling, which is all about recycling products for small businesses. And actually, the team said to me afterwards, we want to make this into a business, can you help? So I ended up, I turned out that we created the business. It is live, we've got funding, we've got clients, we're moving it forwards. Dave, who's won Sink the City twice now as the CEO, and I'm the chairman, and the team, or most of the team, are actually actively involved in it and driving it forwards. That, that is an amazing achievement, especially in, in sort of the modern climate, in the, in the, time, in the times in which we are living. Um, what do you look for in, in, in the teams you, you, you put your name forward as, as mentor? I'm, I'm, well, today it was kind of um, what, which, which one needed help with the technology or which needed the services, and it was a bit of a different one. So the one I'm mentoring this time is one about hypnotherapy, and the, the people leading it are actually medical doctors. Yeah. So they're going into it with the medical training, and they need to find the team and the designers and everything else to kind of pull it together and turn it into something that's a, an accessible business. So for me, that was an interesting challenge because I've never worked with a doctor before on medical tech. So, hey, it's a new challenge. Well, I, I hope they know kind of the... The, the, the depth and the length of the experience they're getting uh, when, they've, when they're working with you. Um, I wish you every success. And just, what's the name of the team? We haven't, got, we haven't got a complete name yet, but we think it's going to be Hippotherapy. Uh, and there might be an even good. little character in there as well <laughs> that can kind of bring it to life. Well, I wish you, you, you and the team you're mentoring every success. It, Neil Garner, it's a pleasure. I'm sure, I hope this isn't the last time we, we get to speak to you. No, definitely. Thank you very much. Good, good to talk to you. Tim Smith, yes. Tech Course Director, yes. Tech Educators, and what is the name of your team? That is a really good question. I'm glad I asked it. Um, the board game team at the moment is the name of our team. I, I don't know what, I keep asking that question and so many people go, it's a work in progress, so I really ought to keep up, but I have to say you have a, a very impressive slash terrifying uh, board up there of, of tasks, it's very well organised, I wish I had a board at home like that. So, how's it going? 
the this is the hardest part for sure. It's the it's the hey, there's this idea, and it, it's it's a cool idea, um, and now it's making it into something that's a, a viable business, and it's and it's picking it apart, and uh, and it hurts, but it's good. <laughs> it's it's good. It's good to do because it would suck if we got to Saturday evening and we were like, oh wait, this isn't this isn't very good. So yeah, I'm glad we're doing this. Ooh. And this cannot be, surely, surely, your first Sink the City. It is, yeah, yeah. I've not, I've, no. No, I've never been no. before. No, 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 no. I, I promise, it's the first time. <laughs> and, how, and this is the question I've asked multiple times already. How are you finding it? Um, it's awesome. I, the thing that uh, I keep saying to these guys is, like, I have this idea for this thing that I could do most of, but then there's all of the design and the business side and and some of the dev stuff, and it's like, I have no idea where to start. So with, um, I said to the guys last night, I'm, like, I'm so grateful that, this is, that these guys picked me to be on my team because uh, flipping out, I couldn't do it without them. I have to say, I was very impressed when I came in this morning, early doors, and you were already in here, heads down, when the other tables were looking quite... Quite empty. Committed. Committed, committed indeed. Or behind. <laughs> I wish that I had, I wish I had this very dedicated team of people who, who smiled when I picked on you and are now going to regret it because I'm going to ask this person for her name and to tell me what she's doing as part of the team. My name is Eva. Um, I help with marketing, social media, user experience, project management. Board is on me. I'm responsible for it. And you're with User Story? Normally, and when well, you're not with I'm, this... I'm joining them next month. Ah. They were kind enough to invite me here today. Wow. So, yeah. Is there anyone here, apart from Floyd, who I know, who I talked to yesterday, who this is not their first Sink the City rodeo? Third. Third. And your name is? Max. Why do you keep coming back, Max? Just because I love the event. I think the learning side of it, the ability to meet people, to meet new people, is fun. Like the, working on the idea is cool, and the pitch is cool, and it's great if you win. But it's the ability to be here and meet people and kind of learn is fantastic. fantastic. Well, Tim, just in closing, you mentioned in your pitch last night, you, you specified a number of board game cafes in Norwich. Yes. And that number is? I said th at least three. Well, I didn't say at least three. I meant to say at least three. I think I just said three. Can you name a couple? I can name three. Name three. Uh, there's um, Slice and Dice. Yeah. Athena Games. I'll have to hurry you. Um, and the Games Room. Did I get that wrong? Yeah, the Games Room. Congratulations. I have no way of knowing that's true. The Games Table. The Games Table. Apologies. I'm just trying to check. Do I have to accept your first answer? No, that's fine. We'll take the Games Table. Thank you very much. <laughs> I'd, I only know you now as the Warlord, a, a, a crack that you may come to come to regret by Saturday night. It says Nick Anderson, he should, of Artlist UK. Aha, fantastic. It's, it's Friday morning. How is reality setting in? I feel absolutely magnificent. That's good to know, good to know. So what can you tell me about the team you've formed around you? Uh, we've got a good spread. I think it covers everything we need. We've got uh, good management, good marketing. Um, the development side is handled uh, very well. And uh, at the moment, it's going to be a case of just... Um, uh, covering the ground this morning and making sure we're where we want to be come lunchtime and uh, yeah from there on on to success. So have you got any kind of uh, goals for where you want to, to be by you say lunchtime and by the end of the day? Uh, yes uh, there's a sheet on the table which will hopefully be filled out with a bit more kind of information as we get closer to lunchtime and uh, making sure that everyone knows what they need to do and if, if they don't who to ask and um, uh, yeah, just being set up to, to plough ahead and each do what we each do best. Well, best of luck to you. I can see you've got your, your head already in coding. 
Um, um, I've, what, what I've got my head in is in uh, Stack Overflow, which every developer who panics runs to immediately. So let's hope Stack yes. Overflow doesn't go down during the next two days. <laughs> I, I, I certainly hope not. And Ilona Utting, um, you are the mentor for this team. I'm not, no. You're not? You're no. just on the team, sorry. I am on the team. Well, I'm going to cut that bit, you can be sure of that. How are you finding it being on a team? Is this your first thing in the city? No, that's my second one. Ah. Um, I've done another one three years ago, and actually I'm really enjoying it. So uh, we've set up a really good team. Uh, we've already set up a Trello board. Uh, if you know anything about me, I love a Jira or a Trello board. So <laughs> <laughs> setting the tickets up and making sure that all of the tasks are distributed. Um, and yeah, we've got quite a lot of tasks to do. We've got some research to start today. I'm going to be working on the business plan um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be really busy in the next 54 hours. Well, I'm glad I'm catching you before uh, everything really gets going and fantastic. Good luck. Wow. I've never seen the man at work before, <laughs> but James Adams completely earning his non-fee as a mentor here. <laughs> How are you, Mike? I'm all right. Good morning. I'm, I'm really enjoying it. It's, it's amazing. How, how many is this for you or is this your first time? This, this is my first time at Sync. This isn't my first hackathon, but um, this is my first time at Sync. So the, the more important question is how are you finding it? Like, it's Norwich. Like, this is what we love, right? So I love Norwich. You know my opinions and my views on this Oh, place. yeah. So to see a community like this sort of coming together around uh, creating businesses and what we're trying to do here is, is incredible. And there's, there's a huge amount of talent as well. So from university students all the way through to sort of experienced individuals that have built, grown and exited companies wanting to get involved in this just shows the community that you have in Norwich. So it's a great thing. Well, it's, it is an absolute pleasure to be here. Um, and last night was, was just wild. I've, I've never, I've really never seen anything like it, and it was, it was such a. We've got people from Cambridge here who are like, oh no, I just absolutely wanted to be here. Yeah. So you know that must, that must be quite a buzz for you to think, you know, people from too cool for school Cambridge, I know, uh, and I love Cambridge, but too well, cool for school Cambridge. Computer science, Komsky. They don't. They do. They don't. What at, at the William science. Gates Computer Centre? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, we, I mean, we've got the the head of uh, digital learning from Cambridge University here. He's been to a few events. It's quite into his blockchain, which is always good as well. In fact, he's on our team. He's just not here at the moment. Oh, that's a shame. But uh, hello, team. Hello. Well, that's, that's, that's the kind of delayed reaction you can Try expect from... Hello, team. Hello. hello. That go. was only... That was marginally better. Well done, everyone. And I'm have, lucky. Yeah, no, 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 no. no that's, that's too much this time in the morning. Now, I'm just going to jump on this, this person here who, who is, who's, I've seen express the opinion that, that, uh, that it's, this is, should we say, a bit of a challenge uh, ahead of you, but uh, you are in safe hands with, with James Adams, and he's, he's, he's not paid me, I'm actually saying that because I mean it. Liv, <laughs> Liv Johnson, user experience design student at Newer, how are you finding it? Is this your first, first uh, Sink the City, he said? Yeah, so it's my first one this year. Um, last night was like kind of crazy because obviously I've never done it before. But like the the vibes are really good, it's like really exciting atmosphere. I'm just excited to get into it, really. Have, were you expecting this kind of atmosphere, or were you, have, have you done a hackathon before? No, I've not done anything like this before. So completely different. Never, never tried anything like this before. But like, it's exactly what I wanted it to be, really. What year were you in it, newer? Um, so I'm year two. All right. Yeah. Okay. So uh, you must you must be enjoying it there. Did you did you single out newer? Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, I it was one of the only ones that I applied for when. I was applying for unis, but yeah, a right. there. <laughs> well, I will let you find more pastries, which is clearly a concern that you have, and, and rightly so, I can say. Sophie Ross, who I, who I tried to interview last night and wouldn't be interviewed, 
um, she wouldn't tell me quite rightly who she voted for. You, do you feel you're no longer bound by the uh, murder of the ballot box? Can you tell me who you tiddlywinked or uh, uh, did you volunteer for this team? Um, yeah, I voted for this one and I volunteered for this one. This was like my number one. So, and I voted for a couple others, but I can't actually remember. Well, we got to the truth of uh, Sophie Ross, UX designer, newer students uh, vote eventually, folks. So, you know, Eastern Promise never gives up. My thanks to John Fagan and all the Sync City organisers, mentors and teams for welcoming me as an honoured guest. I'm already looking forward to next year. What makes a true leader? Are they born or are they forged by fate, happenstance or karma? Do true leaders even consider themselves so? And even then, how does the East of England retain its best and brightest leaders in the face of national, if not international, competition? There was only one possible source for an answer. A mentor himself and a curator of leadership. The CEO of Nelson Spirit, Nigel Cushion, and also Charlotte Pounder, one of the future leaders whom we hope will come through our ranks and take our region forward. Well, what an auspicious day to be talking about leadership. This is the 5th of September 2022 and Liz Truss has, within the past two hours, been uh, named as uh, our new Prime Minister. But more importantly uh, than that, we are here in the offices of Nelson Spirit in Norwich with... Uh, please introduce yourselves. Hello, hello, Mike. Uh, it's Nigel Cushion. And Charlotte Pounder. Sh and now, Charlotte, you've, you've uh, just come back off holiday yeah. and you've, you've kind of... Uh, do you want to tell people what you do at Nelson Spirit? Because it's sort of been very... You've, you've done a lot of work abroad, but you've kind of really sort of come, come back home and uh, you're really sort of... Seize the, seize, the, uh, seize the reins, if that's not too uh, <laughs> melodramatic, here, at, here in Nelson Spirit and got the bit between two. Tell us what you do here. Oh, my time here has been amazing. So I joined almost exactly a year ago, um, back in September, as an intern. So it started off um, on our home first uh, internship. And it was a three-month placement where I was mainly doing marketing sort of roles. Um, love my time here, but always had the intention to travel a bit and volunteer as well. So it's kind of fitting in that alongside my work here at Nelson Spirit. And I got to Christmas and I really, really didn't want to leave. And it sort of uh, turned into a situation with Nigel where we could uh, bring in my desire to go abroad and do some volunteering alongside a more permanent role here. So yeah, things have gone really quickly and I've just been, um, had so many amazing opportunities in all different kinds of work, which has been great. That's brilliant. And Nigel, um, it's hard to know where to start <laughs> because you sort of mentor, coach, um, you are in many ways kind of the custodian of that, the Nelson Nelsonian uh, uh, spirit, or, well, Nelson spirit, so obviously, but you're kind of almost, you, you seem in many ways to me to be, uh, and no disrespect to other historians in Norfolk, but very much sort of the curator and, and, and sort of historian in chief of 
of that kind of le- the leadership and you know, throughout Norfolk and the east of England. Is that fair? Yeah, we got. I got personally got very interested in, in Nelson about uh, about fifteen years ago, and uh, was 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 flying back from an from an event abroad and was reading reading a book on Nelson and uh, and, and got captivated. And really, the thing that caught my imagination was uh, not uh, yes, we we're interested in the history, but particularly his unique approach to leadership. Um, at ball being about engaging with people and getting close to people and um, the thought of maybe we could start applying that to, to our lives, to our businesses and charities. We have some fantastic businesses and charities in, in the East, as you know, Mike. Um, but at that time, very much everybody was kind of doing their own thing and working alone. Nelson's whole thing was close engagement with the enemy. And I thought, well, the enemy today might well be, uh, you know, the fact that we're all, we're all working separately. So that was kind of the start of us. And uh, we got nine people together locally, uh, the chief execs and managing directors of businesses and charities, just nine of us 15 years ago. And we've just welcomed our 57th member in and it's been a heck of a journey oh wow that's 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 huge and you know uh, do you for those who aren't familiar with uh, Nelson Spirit and the work you do, can you just sort of encapsulate that for me? Yeah, no, the the Nelson Spirit, we are a, we're we're a gang in effect, <laughs> 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 a gang of troublemakers. I think Robert Kett, you know, we're a, we're a gang of troublemakers. Um, yeah, we, it, we provide leadership mentoring, so we're a gang of leaders. So we're made up of uh, fifty-seven uh, chief execs of businesses and charities, all from the county of Norfolk, and and our uh, mission is to support each other, to encourage each other, and to support each other on our leadership journeys. We meet every month and um, uh, we essentially have one-to-ones. So it, it's a very simple idea. It's bringing together leaders who are doing... I mean, there's some fantastic things currently being done in the county. Um, and uh, all, we do, all we do is just bring people together so that they can, uh, they can support each other and, and talk to each other. That's, so that's the business we do on the, on the adult side, if you like, on, on, on the, on the, lead, on the uh, leaders of today side. But of course, Charlotte uh, and her role here is to do with the leaders of tomorrow. Yeah, so that's sort of our future leaders work. Um, So we've had work with schools in the region. Also, uh, we've done a number of internships over time. Just uh, before we broke up in summer, we had um, a week-long intern come in and just kind of parachute into the business and see how things run here. And it was great to, to have him along. And then also we've had our Future Leaders Fund, which has been going uh, for the last kind of decade. And that's where we've supported young people aged 17 to 24 who've wanted to do leadership projects abroad. Um, for example, kind of Rally International or uh, Projects Trust, things like that. And we've supported 55 future leaders so far. And they've including gone... Including yourself. Yeah, including me. <laughs> so, so yeah. Sorry, I'm just right. No, don't tell, worry. No, worth perhaps telling Mike about, you know, the fact that you were running this programme for us, but actually then you saw an opportunity in Costa Rica so maybe yeah I think it was a good experience and great for great for me to be able to get to experience it so um, I headed off to Costa Rica for seven weeks um, back in March I think it was yeah for uh, yeah seven weeks of volunteering and um, trekking as well so how would you describe yourself as a leader and what do you look for uh, in others in terms of leadership potential and you know I'll ask I'll come to Nigel in a second but I'll ask, ask you first Charlotte that question yeah I think for me I'm definitely at the start of my uh, leadership career I wouldn't even say I was necessarily a leader myself I get through this role I get to talk to so many amazing CEOs and charity leaders um, but there are occasions for example in Costa Rica where I did have to take a more of a, a leading role um, and I think 
I've always been a fairly quiet person, quite reserved, um, but very good at understanding other people. And I think that for me as a leader is just my emotional intelligence is probably something that I focus on and getting to know my team really well and building on their strengths so that, yeah, everyone kind of brings a good part to my leadership, I guess, which, yeah, but I'm for sure I'm learning so much and over the last year. I've I've got to kind of learn different leadership techniques of different people I've met and see what they do. So that's probably the first part of the question. What was the second? What I perhaps I'd, I'd respond to that and something Nigel raised earlier is to talk about um, different leadership styles before we sort of we'll, we'll get on to sort of how that applies more directly to the, to the region. But looking very much at the, the, the kind of split in opinion between what's the best kind of leader is that side of the lone wolf up the top, sort of a bit unknown, but uh, everyone looks up to them and, 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 and moves forward. Or, or is it the sort of the consensual leader who sort of wants, brings in the team or wants to hear from everyone. And, uh, you know, some say that the lone wolf is the, you know, the, the, at the top is a, is a bit untouchable and reachable, not really in, you know, listening to the, to the troops on the ground. And some say that the consensual style sort of brings a homogeneity um, to the team. They, they bring in the people like them, um, not necessarily the best people. I, you know, I, I have no, no view, but I, Nigel, you, our leadership, you know, you, who knows more about leadership than you? Well, I don't know. Um, I, I would say neither. Okay, I, I, I think the key thing about leadership is, is, is to be yourself. Uh, the heart of leadership is getting people to want to follow you, to uh, be inspired by, by you and, and, and the direction you're going in. And, I, and it's interesting, uh, one of the things that, uh, uh, why we were keen to engage young people, um, the leaders of the future in the county in our programme, was that to expose them to the huge variety of different leaders. I think Charlotte would agree, we have over 50 leaders in the crew currently, and they're all very, very different. And I think that's the key thing about leadership, is about being yourself, be, being authentic, being different. And what we're trying to do with young people is, is to expose them to all these sort of different types of leadership. There isn't, there isn't one, there's no one size fits all, you know? And I think there's a time, some of the best leaders sometimes need to be authoritarian and directive and the lone wolf. Other times you need to be more consensual and more participative. And I think it's very simple, to simplistically split it into the two, yeah. it kind of, it kind of, kind of works in an academic frame but the thing I've learned really from from work, working with all these fantastic leaders we have in the county over the last uh, 15 years is that they are all completely different and none of them <laughs> not a single one would fit any of the models yeah and I think that's what we tell young people you know be yourself um, and, and part of the, of the experience that we provide uh, future leaders in the county is to put them in contact with people who are leading real stuff today and, and to be inspired, and not all of us are inspired by the same things. You know, there is a, there is a chemistry involved. And I think that it comes back to two things, really, in my book, character and, and capability. You know, the character is, um, do you trust the person who's leading? Uh, are they authentic? Do you believe them? Um, are they the sort of person who is honest? And this, this is the, the starting point, because if you can't get past that, then yeah. you won't follow. And then the second thing is, do you believe they have the capability to do stuff? Can they get stuff done? Are they good at their job? Yeah. And so I would say character and capability are the two things. And of course, often they're context specific. You know, being a fantastic head teacher or being a fantastic head of a manufacturing business or being a fantastic startup entrepreneur, they're different contexts. Yeah. And therefore they would require slightly different skill sets. But the thing that's common to all these situations is character and capability. Yeah. Well, let's come on to talk about sort of how we get uh, leaders emerging uh, in in this part of the world, and 
I suppose what I'd, I'd say, first of all, Charlotte, is what pre-Nelson spirit was there out there to say, hey, you could be a leader and this is how you become one? There definitely was throughout my school life and also during university, there was the opportunity to develop some of those skills. Uh, for sure, there's areas for improvement um, across the education system and definitely at university. But I, for example, I was able to join um, extracurricular um, clubs and societies while I was at university and was on the kind of committees for those, which was a great first taste of uh, leadership and having to work alongside other students who are in a similar situation and take on hundreds of other students as well and try and get them engaged and um, involved. So yeah, for me, I think I've learned a lot about leadership definitely here at Nelson Spirit and also at school, for example, as a prefect and um, had various other kind of responsibilities and looking after younger children, doing tours around the school with parents, that type of thing. But um, yeah, I would say leadership as a concept isn't necessarily explored as much as it could be. Is, is it a case, do you think, of being live and aware of those opportunities, like being a prefect? They're not they're not things that are, I mean, I don't know, I, there wasn't that kind of thing at the school I was at, but um, is it a case of you get off, you get offered these things and you think, oh, that's great. And you sort of find yourself sort of stepping down that road. Or is it more of a case of you consciously set out to achieve these things and shape your, shape your conduct accordingly? Yeah, I think it's a bit of both, to be honest. I right. think for me anyway, I can't speak on behalf of all people my age at all. But um, for me, the opportunity to, if those roles are available, then obviously, um, that helps in the first place. Mm -hmm. But for me as a person, I knew I wanted to grow and, and kind of develop those skills. So I knew that that's a path I wanted to take. So I think the two kind of work together. Yeah, I'd, I'd come in on, I'd agree yeah, with that. I, I, think, I, think, I think you need the, you need the two. I think you need the, uh, the, the provision of the opportunity need, needs to be there. And that comes from, can come from the community, it can come from business, it can come from schools, it can come from voluntary organisations, it can come from clubs and societies in, in your village, the, the hockey club or the football club or the chess club, whatever. So the, there needs to be opportunity. But also I think leadership is about having a drive within yourself. I think you have to want to do it. You have to want to step forward and do it. And I think one of the things we're trying to do in schools is provide the opportunities there for the young people who want to take them. And it's, it's not for everybody. Some people, you know, don't are not up for it and, and don't want it. Um, but others, many, many do. And, and, and what, what we're trying to do is to get, get something out there so that we can make the facility available to a wider cross-section of people. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll try and stop um, couching it in, in quite so binary uh, terms. But so, Nigel, are we doing enough regionally uh, in the east of England to nurture new leaders and, you know, perhaps if, if you, you know any examples of good practice, please, you know, put, put them in there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's, it's those, you know, uh, do, do we have enough days of sunshine questions, isn't it? Yes. I mean, the, the answer is obviously no. We're not, you know, you, you, know, <laughs> you, you, ne you never do enough. Um, well, what I would say is generally speaking, as, uh, as a nation, we're not doing enough. 
Um, I would say we're, we're, there are not enough inspiring role models, I don't think, um, for young people, regardless of what the young people want, want, want to do with their lives. You know, and there's probably more a question for Charlotte to follow up in a sec when, when I've finished. Uh, there's more, more a question for her. But yeah, who, who, do we, who do we look And who do you look up to, Mike? And who do, who do I look up to? Who, who in around, in the national picture, the international picture, you know, who do we aspire to be like? And I, and I think most of the leaders we talk to say that there's not enough people for them to look up to. You know, yeah. there's a general shortage of good leadership role models. Um, how well are we doing in, in Norfolk and East Anglia? Well, better than the rest of the country, I, I, I would say. I, I, think, I think I would yeah, say we are, uh, <laughs> I, I go to far and say a lot of the stuff that I see happening in this region is not happening elsewhere in the county, or country, or we can't see it if, if, if yeah. it is. So I think there's loads of good stuff. Um, for, for example, um, we were approached last, uh, a few months ago, uh, by Langley School, who wanted to offer a Nelson scholarship to a, uh, a, young, a young person from a state school who wouldn't normally have the opportunity to go to an independent school. And, and they were going to offer that free of charge and uh, they wanted to know whether we would help with, with the selection. Um, but that's turned into, uh, into four places which have now been offered at Langley oh, wow. School, uh, two fully funded and, and, and two partially funded. Um, and the Nelson Spirit crew have kind of got, in, got involved in that. And we had some tremendous applications. We had, we had 20 young people came through an assessment exercise. And the quality of young people in, in, in Norfolk in terms, of, in terms of wanting to be future leaders is, is incredible. So I think, I think, yeah, there's lots of exciting, that's just one example of, of, yeah. of exciting things are happening where business, charities, schools are coming together to, to make things happen. Interesting, a lot of this is done off the radar. You know, you don't read about it in the press. Um, so it's great that you're here, Mike, so we can, uh, so we can talk about it, you know. Absolutely. But, uh, in, in the kind of national press, they, you know, they seem to be obsessed with the kind of negative stories and the, you know, the, the, the bad news stories. But actually, what we find on the ground, I mean, all we need to do is ask a few leaders to help, and this, we're usually inundated with help. Um, particularly if we're talking about sort of helping young people on, on their journey. Yeah. Charlotte, no. can I, you know, I've talked for a long time. No. But what's your, your thought on that? I think, yeah, it's, it's great. I mean, I've seen kind of firsthand um, what other graduates have kind of gone into in the region as well. And a lot of my friends have actually come back to Norfolk and have got jobs here. And it's, that's really great to see. And the Home First programme that we've been doing, and along with our kind of internships and young leaders work, I think it's just, it's really nice for, for me to connect with those people and, and yeah, see how good so Norfolk's doing. The Home First started a couple of years ago. Yeah, I was going to come on to ask about Home First. Yeah, well, Home First. Home First, tell me about Home First. <laughs> well, it started a few years ago. We, we were, um, we were recognised the fact that lots of, uh, of the young people in East Anglia, particularly those that do well at school, um, look to London. To, to, to head off to is, is their first career step. And many go to universities outside uh, East Anglia, um, but they often come home um, maybe for a gap year or, or, or some sort of break. And um, what we found was a number of young people coming home and kind of working in pretty mundane jobs to earn a bit of money before they went traveling, as, as, as Charlotte has done, um, before they took part in a, in a voluntary project. And um, we just tried to think about whether we could do something that was a, a bit better. Um, over on one hand, we had 50 fantastic local businesses doing some great work who could provide brilliant opportunities. And then we had lots of young people coming back to the city of Norwich who were going to go on to great things in London, but were hanging around for kind of a few, or looking for a bit of work for a few weeks. So we, we put together a program called Home First, which is to say to any graduate, any some, a Norwich person who has left the city and is at university, um, come home as your first step, 
Um, come and work with one of the fantastic businesses in and around the city before you then go on to, to your next move. So that's where the Home First programme came in. Yeah. So you, you've got experience with that programme, obviously. Yeah, so that's Charlotte. where I kind of started. That was a start point um, last September. And uh, yeah, I had the opportunity to travel and also to get experience and go to all of the Nelson Spirit meetings as well. Um, so that's what our Home First graduates get to do. Um, and so amazing chance to meet other meet other charities and businesses that you may or may not want to work for in the future. And, and we've, we just looked last week and we've got uh, uh, people who've been on Home First uh, here on here in Norwich have worked in the cabinet office, uh, they worked for wow. Cardo, Capgemini, Accenture, wow. so some of the top names, blue chip names. <laughs> no <in> pressure. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, and Charlotte's next. <laughs> you know, yeah, I'm just, I was actually thinking, I must invent a time machine <laughs> and tell myself. <laughs> is, this, is this your interview, Mike? <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a bit late for, well, who knows? No, never, never, late. never too late. Never well, too late. It's interesting to talk about sort of people going and coming back because I, I came across um, some uh, data from the Higher Education Statistics Association and everyone's going to start rustling. <laughs> like if you'll, if you'll turn in your hymnals, please, page numbers. And there's this lovely little bar chart with, um, and it, which kind of really kind of bears out, uh, not, I don't want to say stereotype, but, and we've got, uh, you've got uh, four categories, incomers, neither lived nor studied in the area previously returners left for study returned for work stayers of as it uh, implies studied and stayed to work and loyalists loyals lived studied and stayed to work within the region now not unsurprisingly the east of england has uh, and this these are figures from 2012 2013 which is sort of the most recent versions i could find um the east has the largest cohort at 40 percent um of returners who left the area and returned to study unsurprisingly london has um the most number of incomers who who sort of head ahead out for the bright lights big city uh, in terms of stayers who stayed and studied to uh, studied and stayed uh, that's that's yorkshire um has the highest total there and um in terms of loyals lived studied and stayed to work in the region that's kind of the, the north of england uh, both the the north northeast leading with the northwest not far behind uh, around about the 60% mark now those aren't massively surprising i think um but i just sort of Nigel, Charlotte, what's your take? What's the Nelson spirit take on these? The, the, the amazing thing was, when we first looked at this, and um, we looked at the incomers, returners, stayers, and, and loyals category, um, Charlotte is now the, the 32nd intern that we've had in the business um, it, it, since we began. And um, we realised we've got people in every category, which yeah, was that's interesting that's to interesting. us. Yeah. So, you know, just to give, uh, Freya was an incomer. She, she came to, and, and did an internship with us. She lived in Brighton. She, she moved to the area to, to do the internship. Um, we've had Alison from the UEA who um, uh, came from outside the area to the UEA and she stayed, at the, she stayed in Norwich working with us afterwards. And then we had James who was from Norfolk who went to the UEA and, and stayed. And, and now Charlotte is a returner. So you, you went to Exeter and then wow. returned to Norwich. So we've got, <laughs> we've got all, all four bases covered. Wow. So what, what, what would you say your experiences have been of someone sort of going and coming back? I mean, I... I uh... I suppose I'm a I'm a, an incomer, but um, so what are your experiences as a returner? Yeah, so I was at school here. I've lived in the same house in Norfolk all my life, um, but then went to university for three years, and kind of came back 
uh, and started my job search here. So Norfolk was always an option for me, but I have to admit it wasn't the only one. I was also looking kind of London and other big cities kind of, and around the UK um, and even abroad as well. I thought, oh, maybe a year in New Zealand might be quite nice. So um, I had my options very much open at the time. And then when this opportunity through Nelson Spirit came up, I just thought, wow, that I can't miss that because it kind of fits what I want to do perfectly. Excellent. So I think it, for me, it was uh, the job um, and the opportunity that kept me kept me in Norfolk, as well as you know getting to live with my parents for a year and things like that. Do you think um, I'll start with Nigel? But do you think there's an element to which we kind of have have to accept that there's a bright light, big city pull? Um, no disrespect to Norwich uh, or Ipswich or, or anywhere else in the east of England, but particularly into Cambridge, uh, but mainly into London, uh, that. People will that will always be there, and there's you know the, the, there's a little we can do about it, but not a great deal. But it's it's focusing on those returners that 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 perhaps brings us brings us uh, uh, more dividends in terms of getting those best leaders to come and and take their places in in our region. Oh, that's a big one. Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> um, I, I I would say some some of that I'd agree with, and some of that I, I wouldn't agree with. Excellent. Um, so let's unpack it. Um, Certainly, for many of young people, say particularly those that do well at school, that London is is a big attraction. Uh, if you look at the look at the the year groups coming through out of university and out of school, those that do particularly well are, are look. And I think it's the it's the blue chip companies, it's the big name companies that they want to work for. Plus yeah. the plus the the nature of the big city, I think, is the attraction. Um, uh, but I think it does change over time. So, so uh, with your question, should we just accept that? I think the answer is no, because it does Good. change over yeah. time. Because when when I I came out of university, uh, you know, many many years ago, and I chose to come back to Norwich. And at that time, um, the the four biggest accountancy firms in the world uh, had offices in Norwich. Yeah. So if I wanted that blue chip experience, which I did, and I started in, in accountancy, I started with uh, Neville Russell and KPMG. Um, you can come to Norwich. Now those firms are withdrawn from the city, that option is no longer available. So industries do change, you know, yes. things do change over time. So I, so I think we, we shouldn't just accept. Um, the other thing to say, of course, is that um, people have often come home to East Anglia. Um, often this has been in their 50s and 60s, and what we're now finding is people are doing this earlier. They're returning in their 40s or 30s or maybe 20s. To, yeah. to, to live in East Anglia. So I think that's, that's an interesting point. Um, the other point would be working from home because now we're finding people yes. in jobs in London and actually one of the great things about East Anglia is that the quality of life here is fantastic. It is, you know, yes. and People would probably not choose to leave for the quality of life but they would have to go for the job. Now if you can get a job in London and live on the North Norfolk coast you know, maybe that's the golden ticket, you know? So, uh, <laughs> so, so I think that's going to change and we haven't yet fully seen how this hybrid working is, is, is going to play out. Um, the other thing it will be interesting to see how many young people, and we haven't got the data yet for this year, are still interested in joining the corporate life. Because corporate life is obviously, that is a synonymous with London. Um, with the increasing in, in the gig economy, for example, yeah. you can actually set your own business up for any, anywhere in the country. Mm -hmm. So for those, we're seeing now a lot of young people particularly on the environmental side wanting to set up their own social enterprises, wanting to set up their own businesses. That can be done anywhere. So I think there we're in a moving picture, and uh, and I think it will change. So I don't think no. I think I think we have to accept that. And sometimes it's good to leave the village. You know, I mean, I mean sometimes we perhaps we all need to do it at some point yeah. to to go out and stretch our wings and look at other things. 
Um, but actually, it's amazing how many young people now are returning back and returning back early. Yeah, I think I, I know from my from my from my own wife uh, that uh, she was very adamant that she wanted to return, and I think that for the east of England, that's quite a, a strong a strong pull in many young people, as you say, because of, because of that quality of life uh, and the things you you find here that you just can't find anywhere else. But Charlotte, how how do we go about? I think not just. I'm start again. How do we go about attracting uh, the best? Uh, leaders to to come uh, and and, uh, and make their careers in the east of England. Let's let's sort of say we 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 we're not necessarily just focusing on growing our own, as it were. How are we sort of? How do we tempt? Do you think people to come in and 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 be part? Be part of it. I think obviously I can only speak on behalf of myself and obviously there's a lot uh, in the east that is very attractive. Um, to young people and to to kind of work who want to work here and spend their life here. But for me, I think the three most important things um, are working in an exciting and challenging role. So the role and the um, the job itself needs to be, um, you know, have development opportunities and it's. And then secondly, it's also the people that I I want to be working with. Maybe this is. Uh, not very specific to the East, but I need to be working in a kind of supportive team and mo people around me who will motivate me and also colleagues that I can have fun with and um, bounce ideas off. So the context of where I'm working is probably one of the most important things to me um, alongside kind of company values and ethics. And I think that's becoming increasingly important, especially amongst my generation, I think. So many of my friends are kind of looking into ESG and seeing what the company culture is as opposed to where it is. So maybe if the East kind of focused more on that, then maybe that's how we can attract attract more people over. I mean, I think it's it's a very interesting point. Nigel looks poised and ready. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, can I come in? Can I come in? Yes, of course, of course. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think I think two two points really. One is um, when we talk about the best. You know, how do how do we attract the best? I, I think you know, there's. I would draw a distinction between being the best leaders um, and the best business people and the highest performing people at school. And these are not necessarily the same people. Mm. So you know, uh, I think we have to be careful about the the, the best. What does yes, that mean? Exactly. You know, yeah. Some some people who are fantastically good in business do very badly at school. Uh, some people who are fantastic in business do very well at school. You know, they're, they're, there's they're not the same thing. So I think that, that would be my first challenge to the question, but yeah. <laughs> to try to try and answer it, I would say um, I'd probably go any e even further than than uh, than Charlotte and say uh, uh, to answer your question, how do we attract people uh, mm -hmm. in? I would say um, they're already here. Excellent. Answer. So we, we, we already have the best people here. Yeah. Um, and actually, to be honest, Mike, your question is slightly Roman. You know? uh, yes. <laughs> yes. Well, very, do you know what? That is, sounds like a perfect opportunity for, to, to uh, ask you to sort of um, re recount that, uh, that Roman anecdote you told me, which I have used again and again, and I seem to have forgotten just then. But um, g go for it. Well, yeah, the yeah, the 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 the, 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 the Iceni were the were the uh, the village the, the the tribes people of ancient Britain two thousand years ago that lived very peacefully and very happily with huge amounts of culture and stability and and uh, and, and and very happy in their communities um, and then the Romans arrived and and told them that they were unhappy and 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 then wanted them to behave in a Roman way 
Um, and they decided that the A11 needed duelling because they, they couldn't get the, the carts up from London very, very quickly. Um, and they built, uh, they built um, uh, Venter Isonorum at Caister on, on the outskirts of Norwich yeah. uh, as, as a Roman village because obviously the Iceni were struggling because they couldn't trade. And essentially none of the local people went to the market. And then after about 30, 40 years, the, the camp closed. So the, the, we've had about 2,000 years, really, of people coming up from London kind yeah. of telling us that we lack aspiration and uh, I mean, it's, it's a great quote from uh, um, uh, Catus Decianus uh, he's a real it's a real name you yeah. it's a real Catus Decianus was the Roman governor or proctor uh, proctor governor uh, of, of Roman Britain I think AD, AD 60 or something I got my dates wrong but around that time and um, he wrote back to to Caesar and said the following of the people in East Anglia he said um, he said yes nice place he said the only problem is the people <laughs> <laughs> he said they're a bit rebellious. He said um, he said they have low aspirations and generally low education standards, and are going nowhere. You know, and I think we've had people come up the A11 for the last two thousand years and tell us this. You know, and that is what I call the Roman question. You know, what companies do we need to relocate into Wisbeach or Cromer or Norwich to make it a great place? Well, the answer is it is a great place already. You know? yeah. And actually, we've got some great people here, and the answer is to support the young people we have and to inspire them to build great companies. Yeah, ab ab absolutely. And, you, you know, I think the Home First is, is, a, is a great example of, of, of that support and the work you're doing. I mean, Charlotte touched on the values question that I wanted to come back to um, earlier. And what, what were the values that you saw in Nelson spirit, bearing in mind, I'm just sitting right there. And, you know, um, a lot of the advice you see out there from Forbes and, and other sources sort of about, you know, talk value alignment, you know, you, you must make your values, you know, there must be an alignment of values, um, you know, which, which seems obvious because if you didn't have an, a sense of values alignment, it, and, you know, I speak to a certain extent from experience, it's hard. You have to, you know, if, if, if your values aren't completely aligned with what you're doing, it, it can be very difficult. Uh, so, you know, where did you where did you sense that alignment in Nelson Spirits? And, and perhaps then I'll come on to ask, ask Nigel about the process of values alignment in, in a non-Roman way, um, in an Iceni style, I think. I think for me, um, it was, I, I think I realised it when I met the crew. So once I fully understood what it was and what Nelson Spirit stood for, I think then I was clear as to whether my values aligned or not. And I think the crew is based on engagement and on supporting each other. And for me, those were really, really important. Um, so the whole social uh, kind of culture of Nelson Spirit and getting young people involved as well as you know, CEOs kind of bringing everyone together at the same level, I think is amazing and offering that support to whoever and whatever age you may be. Um, and I really felt my own, I felt valued within the crew myself. So that really struck me. But also I think for me, so I did a geography degree at university. So the environment has always been a top priority. And through Nelson Spirit, I've been able to, uh, do lots of work and set up 
on our environmental promise, which we've set up over the past year, and we've just launched um, a green team. So we've got a number of the crew who are involved, uh, I think it's more than half, who come along to green team breakfasts and all sorts of different environmental topics. And we've really got that going. So for me, that's perfect that I've been able to lead on. So that's that, that's that's a really good example, actually, that, you know, not you weren't only were you attracted, not only were you attracted I'm going to start again because I can cut this bit. Not only were you attracted to the values uh, in Nelson Spirit, but you brought your own, you know, your own values uh, along, and you know, your valued the way you valued the environment, yes. for example, yes. and you sort of made that alignment happen mm. within the organisation, which I think is great. Values, Nigel, value, you know, alignment of those values. How do we, how do we make that work? I think a lot has been written about this, and and, and a lot of companies spend a long time identifying what their values might be. Um, what we found is values are very individual. People, they're very personal. You know, what, what do you believe in? So we were, I racked my brains quite a lot in the early stages about how how we define the values of Nelson Spirit. But because we're an inclusive community, um, the values are different. You know, people have different values right across the community. So what is it that we could we could hone in on to bring people together? And we were clear about three things. We called them beliefs. This is what we believe. And it kind of, if you believe this, you're welcome to join us. And if you don't believe us in this, then okay. So um, the three beliefs were that um, it's good for leaders to engage closely. So close engagement, as in the Nelson concept, is good. Yeah. It's good for you as an individual leader, it's good for your business or charity, and it's good for the community. That was our first belief. Our second belief was that helping others is one of the best ways to grow yourself. So when we get the crew together, the focus isn't on extraction, it isn't on what can I get out of it, it's what can I give, and yeah. what, how can I help the other people here. So that's our second belief. And our third belief is that we feel it's the duty, again a, a Nelson word, we feel it's the duty of the leaders of today to support the leaders of tomorrow. So there are three beliefs. And we say to people, if you, if you sign up to those three, you're welcome. You know, if you don't sign up to those three, that's fine. Yeah. You, know, you probably won't fit in the group. And um, when, when engaging on a wider scale, I say, you know, the, three, the four things we're for, as we're, we're for Norfolk, we're for young people, we're for business, and we're for the community. Yeah. And if you're, for, if you're for those four as well, then you're on our side. If you're against any of that, then, then you're not well, on our yeah, side. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, so it's about being clear, I think, on what it is you stand for fundamentally and then allowing people the opportunity. As we said with Charlotte, she, she's got a, a passion for the environment and, and for ESG. Some, if not most of the crew also have that. So we've now formed a subgroup of people that really want to motor forward in that area. Yeah, that's excellent. I mean, I think personally, I think that it's sort of the private sector, business sector are the ones who are really making strides in those areas, uh, are really kind of focusing very seriously on ESG, on net zero in a way that, you know, I think not necessarily the local level public sector, but national public sector would be doing very well to emulate. But I'll, I'll hop down off my soapbox now and... So when the wider business community is looking for its leaders within the East of England, are they, do you think, Nigel, looking for the right qualities in people or could they be looking more broadly? Crikey. Um, it, it, it's difficult, a very difficult question to answer because it depends on who's look, who we're talking about doing the looking. Mm -hmm. um, 
I think the it's very difficult to generalise because you've got 80-90% of, of the businesses in the region are SMEs. Yeah, you know, and and then and then you've got a, a very small number of very large organisations. So when we talk about leaders, yeah. what leaders are we talking about? Yeah, um, the, the bigger companies tend to look outside the village for their leaders. Yes, it's quite interesting that I found this a common around the world. That uh, you know, the, I was doing some work uh, uh, last year in Canada, and it's the same thing in Canada. You know, if you're from Toronto, you, nobody will offer you an opportunity, but the people in America, in, in Chicago will. You know? yeah. So there, there's often this sense of, we need somebody from outside to, to, to come in who doesn't know the history type thing. So, there's, uh, so often people look outside rather than inside. So I, I would say one of the fundamental things is, is look inside first, because often we miss people, because we maybe we know them too much or they're not visible mm-hmm. internally. I think uh, just maybe alter the question slightly is are we putting enough you know it's it's very easy to say oh that chap's a leader or that that uh, that that uh, lady's a leader uh, because they are outspoken because they are big personalities and because they're quite um you know, uh, quite decisive and clear in what they want to happen and are we placing too little value on soft skills on having that integrity, uh, that core, um, that you know, someone might not be, you know, fill a room with their personality, but they still might be very clear-headed about what they want to do and able to softly bring people along. Yeah, I, I think in in the public narrative, we we use the use the words interchangeably, which is not helpful. Mm-hmm. So we often say leader when we mean entrepreneur. And yeah. sometimes we mean business person, and sometimes we mean celebrity. Yeah. Sometimes we mean big character, you know, yeah. and, and, and we use these. Um, the interesting thing at the moment is the difference between being a leader and somebody who holds a leadership position. Ah, yeah. So this is an interesting piece of research, might maybe worth sharing at this point, that we did within East Anglia, and we asked people, um, who inspires you as a leader? Yeah. You know, and we gave people four categories. Mm-hmm. We said um, people in leadership positions like prime minister, yeah. you know, head of the Bank of England, uh, head, of, head of the European mm-hmm. Union or whoever, you know, people, head of, head of the county council, you know, people in leadership positions was category one. Category two was famous people, but people who are not in leadership positions. So celebrities, footballers, yeah. whatever. Category three was um, friends and family. And category four was work colleagues. Yeah. And we asked people to say where they got their inspiration from. Okay, Mike, you know, I'm putting you on the spot now. Right. What, I'll now announce this. I'll announce this. What do you think? How did people go? Well, that is a very where good question. Where did people... I'll, 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 I think... Um, let's say colleagues. Okay. Okay. I'm well off, aren't I? No, no, no. There were three categories that were well supported. Yeah. Okay. The top category was friends and family. Mm-hmm. Most, pe- most people in business get most of their inspiration of friends and family. Really? Yep. Sorry, Cat- Mum. Category-, <laughs> <laughs> category two was work colleagues. Yeah. Category three was people in public life who don't hold leadership positions. Mm-hmm. Now, if you add those three categories together, it came to 92% of the inspiration. My gosh. Only 8% of the leadership inspiration comes from people who are in leadership positions. Yeah. Now, we did this a few years back in East Anglia. I repeated the exercise across the Commonwealth two years ago. 
Really? And the results yeah. came out exactly the same. Yeah. Exactly the same. So this, this is not a Norfolk or a Suffolk phenomenon. Mm. This is something that's happening around the world in that business people, community people get their inspiration from people they know. Yeah. And a lot of people in public positions of leadership are not leading. So the question is, when you say you're a leader, that's different. Are you leading or are you holding a leadership position? Right. Gosh, that's a lot to think about, isn't it? Um, I've started interviewing. <laughs> <laughs> Tables are turned. Yeah, you've, you've completely started. <laughs> well, what, what, where, where do I go with that? I mean, I suppose um, what I'm immediately reflecting on that is, I suppose, in many ways, it depends on whether you're, you know, almost whether your friends and families, friends and family, whether some of them are in leadership positions. Because I can, oh, okay, I'll name names. Anne Leach, who used to run the Spire Hospital uh, and is a, now a consultant and chair of uh, Starston Parish Council, I'd follow her into fire. She, amazing, amazing woman. Uh, fantastic. Um, she's just got that inspirational call that makes you think, right, where do you want to go? Because, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll come with you, uh, you know, and... Uh, she might, you know her. You exactly. Know her, you know her character. Exactly. And you know her capability. Yes, exactly. Her personal experience. Exactly. And you've been inspired by it. Exactly. And uh, Ros Bird at the Nor Norwich Research Park is another person who you just sit there and listen to thinking, wow, yeah. what an inspiring character. And, you know, um, there, there are others, but those, those are the two who, who spring to mind for me most readily. Um, but then we, this is the world we live in, Mike. Exactly. We, we, are, we, we face this all the time, don't we, Charlotte, with our Nelson mm. Spirit group. Mm. There are some incredible people out there doing some amazing work. Mm. And when you connect with them, when, when you engage with them, you get the inspiration. You turn on the TV... Or you look on the internet and you see the so-called leaders. I think you 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 know you're hitting you're hitting uh, as well on on the, the the area of authenticity. I mean that's you know the, the saying is if you can fake authenticity you've got it made. But I genuinely think and you're you both are excellent examples of this, where you can see that that natural enthusiasm coming out, that natural loving what you do you know the loving what you're doing the belief in the purpose you're holding and the values that underpin that yeah. they they you know from many people i talk to and i think this is probably the reason i talk to them but you know it, it's palpable it really is palpable i mean you know N nigel you're sitting there virtually you know sort of jumping out of your seat with enthusiasm <laughs> and 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 um and uh, you know and 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 uh, belief and passion and that is such a wonderful thing and you know you 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 do you, you meet people i think uh, that for sometimes for years, sometimes for weeks, sometimes for mo you know hour or two, who really make you feel that wow, that wow factor in the you know that 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 belief. And I, I come as someone who's worked in Westminster, so I know when you can find it, when you can't. And um, but you know you, you, that's what you've alluded to. Do you want to just sort of reflect some more on that? Uh, I think Charlotte, Charlotte, I'll point to Marjorie. I'll go back to Charlotte. Actually, I think. Yeah, you've pretty much hit the nail on the head. I know before we were um, on air, I know you were asking us who our kind of most inspiring leaders yeah, were. Yeah, come on to that. Yeah, <laughs> okay. No spoilers, well, no spoilers. No. But um, I think for me, meeting the crew, um, there's so many inspiring leaders for me within them. And the, uh, it's very difficult for me now to comment on this because of who I'm about to say, but um, I think authenticity is so important. Instantly feeling at ease around them, being able to talk to them and um, having trust. I think, yeah, trust and integrity is so important. Mm. I, think, I think it also comes, one of the things, having done this now for, you know, best part of 15 years um, with, on the Nelson Spirit journey, 
the question I've asked myself is what do all these people have in common? You know, what, what is leadership? And apart from the two C's, kind of, you know, what, but they're all, they're all so different. But I think there is one kind of torch that shines bright and, and, and shows the path uh, for all leaders. And, and that is the, the sense of higher purpose. Yeah. You know, a sense of they're in it not for themselves, mm -hmm. but in order to achieve something that's bigger than themselves. And I think people can sense that. I mean, you see the two examples you mentioned there, Mike. I, you know, we, we know both as individuals, and, and you're spot on. Yeah. They are mm. people who shine shine that light. And other people can see it. And you can't fake it. You know, no, you politicians can't. try to, mm. but people can sense it. And I tell you, young people are particularly good at sensing that. <laughs> you know, as, as we get older, perhaps we, we become less good at it. But young people can sense it. You know, and they, uh, we're born with this intuition, I think, of knowing whether somebody is doing it for themselves or are they doing it to, for a greater purpose themselves? Yeah, I mean, ab absolutely. I mean, we'll, we'll, I think we'll, it now is a good point to, to visit that question that I, I kind of posed to Charlotte and Nigel uh, via email, which was excluding, you know, for Charlotte, you're not allowed to pick Nigel. And Nigel, you're, you're, Nigel, you're not allowed to pick Nelson. So, you know, Charlotte, um, can you name for me some, you know, they don't have to be, you know, personally known to you, but you know, you're, 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 you're the, the leader you sort of most identify with, who you really, you know, interested in following, um, who really keen to follow. So it was a difficult question for me. I did think through um, celebrity names and kind of people throughout my childhood who have been, I think, um, yeah, who I've looked up to over time. But for me, it did kind of boil down to um, someone who I knew personally, I think. Uh, yeah. It, so I yesterday, I was doing a half marathon for Little Lifts and their founder, Owa Hackett. She's absolutely brilliant. The most charismatic and uh, inspiring person I think that I've met. And yeah. for me, doing a half marathon was a bit terrifying and I thought no I, I can't really do that it's not something that I was looking to um, but when I met Owa at a Nelson Spirit, Spirit meeting back in November I got chatting to her and then she told me her story about how she set up Little Lifts and was diagnosed with breast cancer at the age of only 28 so I'm 23 now so that's wow. you know not even yeah. a big difference in age and for her to turn something so life-changing into something so positive by setting up Little Lifts and then getting a great team around her of volunteers and people who want to support her. I just thought, you know, this is amazing and I want to do something small that can help. So the, the, forgive me because I'm, I'm really interested to unpack that a little because once you'd met Oa mm. and you'd committed to the half marathon, was there an element to which is, you know, I have, I have to get this done for Oa. I have to sort of show Oa that, you know, uh, or, 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 or do this for Oa, do you think? Definitely, yeah, for sure. I mean, um, I couldn't let her down. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think what I, was, <laughs> what I was groping for was you didn't want to let her down, and uh, yeah. So that's was that was that a kind of a motivation as keep obviously keeping you going. On Definitely, the... yeah, and just kind of thinking about um, so they uh, support uh, they provide care packages for patients going through chemotherapy or mm. radiotherapy. Um, so it's always been a cause very close to my heart. I knew you know, lots of people in my family and friends have had cancer. And um, I just think their message of a little kindness can go a long way. That really kind of struck me. And I just thought, oh, that's amazing. And just what, you know, Nelson Spirit's about as well. And 
I think, yeah, that's that's really good. I, I won't break into my wobbly uh, rendition of Try a Little Kindness by Glenn Campbell. Uh, but oh, go on. Go no, on. no, thank you. No, thank you. Reminders off. No, I know. Pardon? That's a you reminders off. Uh, thank Glenn you. Campbell, thank you very much. <laughs> um, Nigel. I'll put him on the I know. Uh, you're very, you've, been, you've been absolutely brilliant at putting me off my spot. I'm which used is, to it. Which is never very confident at the best of the time. But, um, Nigel. Yeah. Your ideal, um, your ideal leader, your, you know, that uh, inspires you and we're not allowed to name Nelson. Okay. Um, I think for me... Um, uh, having been now doing this for, um, I'm in my 50th year now, uh, looking back, my, my first leadership experience was as a Cub Scout yeah. uh, at the age of nine. Wow. And, um, and, and, and it fascinated me as to why some boys at that time were getting responsibility. And, and, and I looked up to a, a guy uh, called Des who was 13. He, he was really old. Yeah, uh, and, and and I respected him for what, who he was and, and what he was doing. And since that moment, I've kind of been really interested in in leadership and why some people are respected and others aren't, and how you get uh, get things done through leadership. But the person I'm going to choose was back back then was my old Cub Scout leader, a, a lady called Ivy. Fantastic. She was a spinster. Mm -hmm. She was overweight. She uh, wore really raggy clothes, clothes and you, you wouldn't regard her as an archetypal leader, but she was brilliant. She was absolutely amazing. And she made me and lots of other people uh, feel confident in ourselves. Yes. And that was the first time I think somebody outside the family had actually shown some confidence in me, had mm. supported me, had backed me. And if I can, I just give one little story as to how uh, this uh, this sort of developed. She, um, I do a lot of speak, a bit of speaking now, as you know, uh, I might. And um, uh, uh, back then, when I was nine, I was petrified uh, yeah. about having to say something in front of the rest of the pack. And she asked me one week if I'd do the prayers. And I remember standing there with a piece of paper in my hand, physically shaking yeah. because I was so nervous to speak speak in public. And afterwards, she smiled at me and nodded. You know, after I'd done delivered the prayers, and um, the next week she said, um, "Would you do the prayers again?" And I've written either A or B. Which one would you like to do? So I read it again. This time I wasn't quite so nervous. And then the third week she said, "I've got some ideas on what you might do for the prayer, and could you construct your own prayer around wow. these ideas?" Yeah. And then a few weeks later she said, "Oh, I haven't had time to do the prayer. Can you do it?" And I stood up and did it. Yeah. And I realised I'd gone through my first leadership development programme. Yes. Somebody gave exactly. me confidence and encouragement, and suddenly I was speaking in public with confidence mm. in a matter of weeks at the age of nine. Yeah. And it was all about me, not about her, as far as she was concerned. And that's something that stood with me for a long time. Leaders actually often don't step forward. Yeah. The best leaders get you to step forward. Exactly. And so that's why she would be my number. Yeah, I, th I think that's important too. And it's important to, I think, always recognise your team and make sure when you're in kind of that mid-tier leadership role um, that you, you, you kind of say, it, it's, it's my team. You know, my team deserve that credit. There they are. Th that's what they've done. Um, you know, uh, Sue did this. Graham did that. And, you know, that's, that's, where, the, that's where the credit lies with those guys. Um, and, 
you're so right, and you've again put me brilliantly off my stride um, with. I'm not meaning to. I know, I know. I I don't know what's going on today. It's it's. Um... Can I just say an example of that would be next week? I'm um, I'm lucky enough to privileged enough to be uh, to be speaking at RAF Marham. Oh, wow. uh, at, on their Battle of Britain evening. Uh, Battle of Britain's been always been of interest. One of the things I speak on is history and leadership. And um, they've got a Battle of Britain dinner, um, and it's on the 15th of uh, uh, September for the, for the officers' mess at Marham. Um, and uh, one of the things that came out of my research preparing for this over the weekend was the point you just made. Uh, during the Battle of Britain, a lot of the commanders the most successful commanders spent a lot of their time making sure their personnel and the pilots were looked after. Yeah. As opposed to looking after the politicians. You know, and, and that looking after your people, making sure your people are, are, are well serviced and, and, and are healthy um, is, is a timeless leadership skill. Yeah. And I'm going to be talking about that next, uh, and, and, next week. Yeah, and sticking your neck out in many, many ways. For, taking for, people for on often. Yeah. yeah, taking people on up, up the line. Uh, who, who have more power than you yeah. and, and, and defending your team uh, uh, against people in authority. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. You, you, we're talking about now um, uh, the, the RAF and the Battle of Britain because, ironically, um, my GCSE project was, uh, and this is really where this whole podcasting thing initially came from, was an, uh, a one-man, one-boy audio drama of um, uh, Hugh Dowding who was oh, commanding a fight, commanding, uh, commanding uh, fight. You know, I called it, I called the piece, uh, that damned ob obstinate Scott, which I believe was, was how he was referred to by, by some of his, his, his colleagues and how he, yeah. he, he stuck to his guns uh, and the belief in, you know, the way to fight the battle of Britain in, you know, despite all the pressure he was coming under to change tactics. And um, I, I just remember creating this kind of, booklet to go with it because oh dear um and i'm not sure uh, any copies of that still exist because i was doing sat i know it's here it's an audio it's audio drama i think on a cassette that uh, i would use my father's keyboard to do the sound effects of planes and and uh, dog fights and, and what have you so um yes I, unfortunately i don't think any co copies still still remain and uh, but it's it's a very it's a very interesting topic and it's he is. Uh, you know, an example of that would be you know, he insisted on pilot rotation. Yeah. That the pilots be taken out of the line and, and, and rotated round and rested, etc. Yeah. And there was political pressure to, to not do that. Mm. Uh, so and he fought uh, uh, the, the Spitfire Mark II had a had a, a mirror yeah. attached to it because the Mark ones didn't, um, and that's because the pilot said that it was needed and he pushed that through fast. There's all sorts of examples. Yeah, of him exactly. Look, looking after the looking after the uh, looking after the pilots and uh, and um, yeah, really one of the three people who we owe the Battle of Britain and really the. Um, the security of the Western civilization too. Well, I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you this. This is this is this is. I've, I've taken this from Stephen Bungay, who's a who's a historian on the Battle of Britain. It's not mm -hmm. mine. It's it, it's his, and um, he he likens it to uh, Excalibur from, uh -huh. from Camelot, mm -hmm. and uh, um, Dowding's design of the um, uh, fighter command defense system, the integrated defense system that Dowding. Put in place, yeah. including radar and the sector stations and the and and the um, observer corps and all the information coming back um, was revolutionary for its time. Yeah. And um, uh, Bungie's called that Excalibur. Mm. So that that was that was the weapon that was needed to to defeat uh, the enemy, the dragon. Um, the other two people are Churchill mm -hmm. and Keith Park. Yes. 
Churchill, by giving permission to use Excalibur mm-hmm. and Park for wielding Excalibur so expertly during the battle. Was he a Kiwi? He was. Very good. Yeah, he yeah. was. He was. Yes. Um, but interestingly, what we're now doing is we're using some of that uh, Battle of Britain um, research to inform leaders of today. Because what it does drive out is three critical aspects of leadership for, for people at the senior end. And I think today is a very topical day to be looking at this. Yes. Because uh, what Churchill was to be able to do was to determine the narrative. Three Ds. Determine the narrative. Design the plan. Deliver the plan. Yeah. Churchill brilliantly um, to determine the narrative. Uh, Dowding brilliantly designed the plan, and Park brilliantly delivered the plan. And often in our public life, we're missing the first two steps. Yes. Often we ask our public servants to uh, deliver excellence yeah. without a good plan or a great narrative. I mean, I, it's interesting you mention that because I, I sorry, re- Charlotte, we no, just don't we don't worry. Yeah. 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 I'm enjoying it. You studied this as well, didn't you? <laughs> Not as much detail. <laughs> I, was, I was going to come back to Charlotte in a minute. I promise. But um, what I, I, I find is 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 very interesting about Churchill, and I've reflected on this uh, a lot. Uh, in, should we say, recent times without going too deep down that road, because this is essentially Eastern Promise's mission statement is is relentless, crushing positivity and optimism about the East of England. And uh, what I find really interesting about Churchill is my deep belief that where he differs from more recent uh, wannabes uh, is that I think he would have, in a heartbeat, changed places with anyone on the front line he would have put his life on the line for the country without question, without hesitation. He would have done that. And I think there aren't, there are regrettably not as many examples of that in our current political leadership as perhaps are are needed. Um, I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm being unfair, but uh, that's, that's why I sort of, the difference I felt came in. I mean, Charlotte, what's, let me just change tack a little and just go on very briefly before we start winding up is to um, to talk about um, diversity and, you know, balance in leadership. Now, it's I, I'm, I'm, I'm not blind to the fact that the two examples I gave were women mm-hmm. and I've worked under as many women as I have men, um, various levels of uh, trust and, uh, you know, um, and it's, it's kind of gender blind when it comes to that for me. But mm-hmm. what where, where do you... Places now. This is a very difficult question that I'm asking because being a man, being a middle-aged man, is a very difficult question. To, a white man is very difficult to ask. But how are we doing in the east of England? In um, do you think in having that sense of diversity, having you know as much access for for young female leaders as we are young male leaders? And I wonder what Nigel thinks. You think about this um, between sort of restoring a balance and then rectifying an injustice. Yeah. Do, 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 is there a risk that we go, I mean, too far down the road and, and, and we, we lose that meritocracy? Or do we need to do that just to, re- to, to restore the balance, you know, after a sort of centuries of, of imbalance? Mm. That was deep. Yeah. <laughs> He's getting me back now, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think, I think diversity and inclusion are different. Mm. And um, there isn't enough. Uh, non-politicised discussion and yeah. debate about those issues. Uh, they, 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 all these issues are highly political. 
Mm. Um, in, in every way you can possibly conceive. And, and the public narrative is dominated by extreme voices uh, in yeah. all places. Mm. So it makes it very difficult to, uh, to, to have a, a, even a discussion about, about these things without, without a lot of people being very offended very quickly. Mm. Um, in Nelson Spirit, we, we've thought very carefully about this, and, and what we've decided, uh, what we're about, is inclusion. And, and we want people f to feel as though they are included and can be included and that Nelson spirit is for everybody. Okay, so um, that's different than driving a diversity agenda. Yeah. Because, you know, diversity in relation to what? You know, what is your community? You know, the Norfolk community is very different to the community in Norwich. Yeah. Uh, the Norwich community is different to the community in London. You know, and if you start to focus on diversity often, you know, someone said to me the other day, um, only half serious, half joking, diversity leads to exclusion, inclusion leads to equality. Yeah. So there, there are lots of different things. I think you can get hung up with a lot of this. I of think what we've, what we've tried to do is to say, okay, um, how do we make our communities and how do we make our businesses inclusive to people? In fact, uh, um, if I can draw attention to the podcast I did with EWA a few uh, yes, weeks yes, ago on, on, on the strangers who, who came to Norfolk, to Norwich, in the 16th and 17th century. Well, at that point, a third of the population of Norwich was foreigners. And generally, the foreigners got on really well with the locals. Yeah. And, um, and uh, um, things worked well. Uh, they set up businesses. Uh, the relationships were really good. So it, it was because at that time, Norwich was very inclusive. And, and welcome the strangers into the community. And together, we make something that's better. Yeah. So, so I think for most people on the ground who are not political, I mean, I, you know, this is a political issue, but for most people who are not political, I would say uh, all the businesses and charities we've met are very much into inclusion. You know, people yeah. want to include people. Um, what people get um, annoyed with is kind of artificial kind of uh, agendas and, and targets and, and stuff that doesn't, doesn't really um, make, make much sense. So, so I think, um, yeah, so I mean, we, I, you know, I think, I think we're as diverse in Nelson Spirit as Norfolk is. Yeah, I, I, I would say. We, in fact, we're, we might be even more diverse than, 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 than Norfolk is. But it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's difficult to comment, isn't it? Because, yeah. you know, you, we all have our own bias. Um, you know, um, and then there's there's cognitive diversity as well as you know you might have you know I, had, I did some work with the Bank of England a few years ago and they were very pleased because they had uh, you know they had some diversity um, but all their people came from one university for example <laughs> so you know is that diversity yeah you know if if everybody thinks the same way so yeah it's it's a uh, it's to be honest it's not a topic it's not a topic mm. if you've got an inclusive group it's not a topic that comes up very often. No, of course. Um, because people, if they're comfortable who they are and you don't need are, to raise it at all. Know. I mean, one one of the charity one of the charity members we have is a, a charity called Globally Onward, set up by Yulia, who's who's a Romanian lady, moved into Norwich, and uh, she's trying to find jobs for professionally qualified um, immigrants moving into the city, mm -hmm. and everybody is getting behind it, and all the crew members are behind mm -hmm. it. Yeah, um, and because people see. The higher purpose. Yeah. They can see exactly. she's a genuine person. They can see what? that she's trying to do something which is positive. And that's far more important than hitting a diversity agenda. Yeah. Well, what a beautiful point to bring the whole thing full circle and, and, and to a close in that, that, uh, that higher purpose. Uh, and Nelson Spirit is an excellent example of that higher purpose, I think. All power to you. All power to, to what you're doing. And, you know, Eastern Promise, uh, myself, 
supporting that, you know, completely. I was going to say 110%, <laughs> which, is, which is a ludicrous thing, because then you can drop your effort by 10% and still be <laughs> claiming to do everything. So, but, you know, yeah, uh, you, you do such fantastic work. We're so pleased to have you as the custodian of uh, one of the East of England's most revered uh, leaders. And, you know, I wish you every success going forward. And uh, thank you ever so much for your time. Thank you, Mike. Thank you. Well, it turns out that there were two experts. And what an enormous pleasure it was to speak with Nigel, whose tiggerish enthusiasm and passion for Norfolk cannot be extinguished. And to Charlotte, of whom we now have great expectations, so no pressure there. And now... All the world's a stage, said Shakespeare, in Act 2, Scene 7 of As You Like It. All the men and women being merely players with their exits and entrances. But before we exit this winter's tale from Eastern Promise, pursued by a bear, it's curtains up for your top choices of theatres, playhouses and live performance venues. Thank you. In this week's... Crowd Sorcery. Yes, Crowd Sorcery. Let's kick things off with Richard Powell, OBE, Environmental and Charity Advisor and Independent Chair. <clears throat> Says Richard, Lots of my youth were spent with live music. I loved real musicians, some of whom were probably dodgy, like the Sex Pistols at West Runton Pavilion, or Bilbo Baggins at New Beach Hotel in Great Yarmouth. But... The best venue, then and now for bands, is still the LCR at UEA and the Waterfront. Back in the day, up-and-coming bands such as U2, ticket price £4.50, came to the UEA for some great nights and great bands, driven by the unique Nick Ryans as the main finder and promoter for the Students' Union. He was a real entrepreneur and a nightmare to manage, says Richard, but one of life's greats. Not quite a patch on the old days, but the LCR is still brill. The Norwich Playhouse is also brill, as is the Arts Centre. A Norwich bias, admits Richard, but it's a great city. Well, wise words, Richard Powell. Reuben Woolnuff, geology and environmental science teacher at East Norfolk Sixth Form College, says, Totally agree about the UEA LCR and the waterfront being amazing venues for live music. Now... There's a lazy pun in there somewhere about a geology teacher liking rock music. <laughs> but you won't get that from me. <laughs> I'm sure Mr Woolnuff applauds that sediment. What? 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 Ah, Kelly Boosie, commercial manager for Oxford Innovation. She asks, Mike, do you remember Alton Wahlberg from the Epicentre at Haverhill Research Park? The first anniversary event? Big fans of live music there. And we hope to catch Alton again soon. Kelly, I do, I do. And surely that means the epicentre counts as a live performance venue. Great to have a Suffolk name on the list. Friend of the show, Michelle Chambers, business development manager at Chaplin Farrant, says, I confess to being a big fan of the Thursford Christmas Spectacular and go every year. A real mix of dancing, singing, music and humour and runs for six weeks every year. 
if you're in or you're coming to the east of England for Christmas and you've not heard about the Thursford Christmas Spectacular, well, www.thursford.com forward slash Christmas dash spectacular. Lucy Mowat, experienced content marketing consultant, is on a mission, says her LinkedIn profile, to make mediocre content marketing a thing of the past. Well, we on this show know a thing or two about mediocre, let me tell you. Lucy says, I'm a big fan of the Norwich Playhouse Mike, and I've seen some fantastic acts there over the years. James Lee Burgess, FRSA, augmented reality superstar and our guide to the Digitech factory at City College Norwich on last week's episode of Eastern Promise. And he has a very simple cry. He says simply, Norwich Art Centre. Finally, Warren Sammons, business development manager for Morgan Sindel. Don't forget this gem, Mike, says Warren. And he posts a simple picture of the Great Yarmouth Hippodrome. Indeed, not visited, hope to do so soon. But absolutely, it's a unique venue putting on all manner of wild and wacky stuff you can see posters all across the region. Thank you, everyone. And next week, butcher, baker, candlestick maker. Who doesn't love a little shop? Send me your choices for the best little shop in the east of England. Keep a lookout for that one on LinkedIn. I've been Mike Rigby. This has been episode 45 of Eastern Promise. Thank you to everyone at Sink the City 2022. Thank you to Nigel Cushion. Do you know, we could use Nigel as a perpetual source of energy if he stayed still long enough for us to plug in the cables. To Charlotte Pounder and to Engineer 49. Now, fun fact, Engineer 49's dog, Dolby, is an unusual breed. He's a Sennheiser and they just love, love being underwater. Yeah, Engineer 49 is delighted. He's always wanted a subwoofer. What? What? Come on. <laughs> Next week, I'm off to Suffolk to catch up with Tim Robinson of Tech East. You won't want to miss a second of that one. And we'll have the third and final day of Sink the City. The grand finale. The judges have their scores. Catch you next time. Bye for now. <laughs>